good to have all of you here this morning. I just know that it's good to congregate in the presence of the Lord, and we want His will in His way this morning. You know that, you know, with all the messes in the world, we need to look to Jesus because He's the one that can get us to the other side, and that's going to be my message this morning, you know, getting to the other side, and and oh boy, some of the messes that go on in the middle, amen, and you know, we just have to know this one thing, he said, let us go to the other side, uh, you know, God is saying it will be victorious, you, will, you are more than a conqueror, I've never left you, I've never forsaken you, I am with you, even in the midst of the storm, I am with you. And, you know, definitely anyone that's sober today, and I don't mean with the alcohol, but I mean sober to see, know that we're in the middle of probably the greatest storm this nation has ever faced. Honestly, it's probably the greatest storm this nation has ever faced, and the world, because many, many people in the world we're looking at the last election in hopes because they knew if the light here dims, the world is going to go dark. The world is going to go dark. Even in uh, China, the people were looking and hoping that somehow the light of the United States would, would, would prevail. And, you know, if they have their way, it's going to get dark. But I want you to know this right now. Jesus said, I am with you. I will see you through this. He said these things have been predicted from the beginning. He said all the people of the world will forsake Israel. Every nation will forsake her. And you know, and that, that goes to show you at some point, and, and I don't want to get on a lot here, but in own prophecy, you know, we're seeing things happen at a rapid pace, at a rapid pace. And that's why the Bible said, you know, uh, be careful that no one deceives you, especially in the end times, for there'll be much deception during that time. And, and, and I'll tell you this, I mean, even my neighbors in Greenville are asking me, when are you going to get that shot? Because if you don't, you can't congregate with us. I mean, this is way up in the mountains. Uh, you know, I mean, you talked about indoctrination. You talk about, uh, you talk about fear. And all of these things. But you know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? And he said, I'll be faithful to you. He said, you be faithful to me. Amen. I just think 30, about 39 years ago, my wife and I, we, we, we kind of liked each other, but we didn't want to admit it. You know how that goes, you know. She had a spaghetti dinner, and she invited everybody up but me, but it was really about me. <laughs> I said, well, I'm not going. I wasn't invited, and finally she called. Aren't you coming? I said, well, I didn't know that I was invited. You know how it is, kids. You know, you, you, you kind of. But anyway, we went up on the streets and um, witnessing on Congress Street, and we went in front. It was just around Christmas, and we were standing in front of a, um, a liquor store, 
And we were singing this power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, there is power, power, wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. And we were singing that, and, and all of a sudden, the after about a, 40 minutes, you know, we're praising the Lord and singing. Um, the store owner came out, the liquor store owner, and he said, would you please help me? He said, this is my busy time of the year. You're killing my business. <laughs> Nobody wanted to go in and buy, pass the people singing Power in the Blood to buy their liquor. <laughs> uh, that's good. Amen. You know, but uh, but it, it was a, that, that was a real fun event. It, there's so many experiences, and, and there are so many experiences yet to be had. You know, when you share Jesus... You know, you'll get different, uh, different, uh, you know, situations. But I'll tell you right now, just to share Jesus, you know, get out on the street or, you know, always go two by two. You don't want to be alone because, you know, it's good safety, you know. But, you know, just to go out and tell people about Jesus and let them know that Jesus loves them. One thing you've got to understand, Jesus is love. Anybody that would think anything different of him has been has been lied to by the enemy because he loves us this morning and, and I I don't I know I'd be the first to tell you I was, Paul said he was chiefest of sinners and I say Lord I don't know why you love me and God said you don't need to know that just know that I do <laughs> because you can't wrap your head around it because you can see your flaws you see your weaknesses you, you see you see you better than anybody else sees you and, you know, uh, the thing is, is, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you, Lord, when I'm trying to sort everything out in life and I'm having a hard time making sense of things, that you're patient with me. You know, the Bible says, and I don't mean to ramble here, but the Bible says, with patience possess you your soul. You know, God teaches us how to be patient because he's patient with us. He's He's... He's loving toward us. He cares about us. And he wants us to be like him. He wants us to be like him. You know, I think of David when he had committed that horrible sin. To hide a sin, he committed a sin. You know, a lot of times that's what happens. To hide a sin, you commit a sin. Maybe you lied to, to hide a sin. And lying is a sin. <laughs> You know, it can be a slippery slope. And David was so sorrowful. But he had a man killed to hide his indiscretion. And that was upon him. And you know, I think a lot of us would have said, you know, too bad for him. But that's not how God is. He sent Nathan the prophet, and we know the story, most of us, because he loved David. He didn't want to leave David in the, in the situation he was in, because, you know, if David had died in his sin, he had gone to hell. If he died in his sin, he had gone to hell. But aren't you glad that God is gracious and loving? He doesn't leave us that way. He doesn't leave us that way. He loves us enough 
that he to, he'll go to the end of the world with us because really he wants us to get to the other side. And that's my message this morning. The Bible said when you give or you sow into the kingdom of God, that he'll return it to you with great dividends. We'll do that later. Okay. Uh, we'll, that he uh, returns with great dividends. But I, I want to talk about strongholds this morning because I think in every one of our lives, we've all faced strongholds. Could be a temper. Uh, you know, it, it, it could be many things. But there are strongholds that can keep us from all that God wants. In 2 Corinthians, and I want to turn there real quick. I think I'll get there in a minute. Second Corinthians 10. You can look in your Bible with me. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 3 through 6. It said, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a, having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So we realize here that we fight not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. And, and God understands that we will go through battles. I know when I first got saved, I thought that I would come to church and everybody was there burning incense and just praising the Lord and there were no problems. I thought I was entering into a place of no more problems. That's what I wanted. But I found out that there are problems, even among God's people. But every problem is an opportunity. I'm going to say that again. Every problem is an opportunity. Sometimes the problems are self-created. But it is, an over, it is an opportunity to overcome. Abram was given a land. He said, leave your father and your household and come unto a land that I will show you. He obeyed God and came. It wasn't a perfect journey. We know that. He lied at one time. You know, just like life, isn't it? Life is never a perfect journey. It's got a lot of shortfalls in it. It's got a lot of crook, crooks, in it, you know, and this, that, and the other. But Abraham fulfilled the promise of God, and he came into a land that God would show him. But then he said, in 400 years... The people here will go into Egypt. Now you say, why would he take people in a perfect situation into Egypt? 
He says, so, so that they may know me as the deliverer. You know, you can't know God as a deliverer if you don't need to be delivered. Some people get so offensive if you say you need deliverance. And they, oh, wait a minute, not me. Well, we all need deliverance at times in our lives. Maybe various times in our lives. We say, Lord God, deliver me from my own lustful or, or evil thinking. Save me, Lord God, from myself. You know, that, those are earnest prayers God hears. Save me, Lord God, from myself. Have you ever looked in the mirror and looked and said, what's wrong with you? That's a deep discussion, isn't it? You know, what is wrong with you? And you know what? It's because God wants us to look at his word and to be like him. Jesus said this when he prayed to the Father in John 17. He said, Lord, I've given them the glory that they might be one even as we are one. He said, the glory that you've given me, I've given to them. How many know Jesus has given us everything that he's received of the Father? And he wants us to have that. Peter said it this way. He says, when you got saved, you got everything. And I've had so many people come to me, well, pastor, if that's true, how come I don't, I don't experience that in my life? Well, you know, that's what takes skill. The Bible said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. In other words, you may have the equipment, but if you don't have the instructions on how to operate the equipment, the equipment will not operate the way that it was designed to. And sometimes we don't even realize we have the equipment. Because the devil blinds our eyes to all that God has. We have healing this morning. We have salvation this morning. It's in the, it's in the, 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 the bread of life, which is Christ. And salvation in the blood of Jesus, which we're going to take of in a while. But what we need to understand and to realize is that God wants us to overcome. He said, to he that overcometh will I grant to sit with me, and he shall rule with me. In 1 Samuel 14, 1, we see the situation of Israel and how Israel found itself. It said, now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore the armor, the young man who bore the armor, come, let us go to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. See, that reminds me of a story in Matthew chapter 8, where Jesus said, let us go to the other side. But halfway to their destination, there was a great storm. And even the, the waves covered the boat. And as they feared death, Jesus stood and rebuked the waves and the wind, and they obeyed him. And on the other side, they met a man filled with demons, and Jesus cast them out. What I want to share with you is this. Are you willing to go to the other side? Or are you in the midst of a storm that you can't seem to overcome? 
Many Christians never reach their full potential because they never finish the journey on the other side where ministry awaits. You see, if they had not gone to the other side, that demoniac never would have been delivered. Jesus knew that on the other side there was a ministry to be done, but the devil knew it too. So what did he do? He tried everything he could to keep them from what he had for them. Storms. What does your storm look like this morning? What, what may be going on in your life? I want you to know something. It's nothing more than a storm. Let Jesus speak to it if you can't. Arise and walk. The command of Jesus. Peter said that as well. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give it unto you. He said, arise and walk. And the man, believing what was said, stood and began to leap with joy because he heard the words and he obeyed them. So often what happens is if we hear the word, but then we filter it through our own understanding. And when we do that, we dismiss the power. Jesus said that many will come and they'll preach a gospel, but they'll deny the power thereof. He says, don't even fellowship with them. He said, because Jesus is a healer today. Jesus is the deliverer today. He wants to deliver us from ourselves and from the devil and from the world. That's what he wants to do. You see, what Jonathan was uh, confronting were five lords of the Philistines. An inconsiderable people compares to Israel. In other words, they were just a few in comparison. But yet, those few were able to hinder and to, kept, and, and to bring into captivity Israel for 40 years. It doesn't take much to overcome you. When you lose sight of the Lord. You know, someone says, well, if they have a drug, drug issue. And they look at that little vial. And that little vial seems so small and insignificant. But that little vial can change the direction of the human soul into a place called hell. How can that do that? You see, what a little matter that can hinder when we're not looking to Jesus. When we're not looking to Him. In Judges 13.1, again, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them up under the hand of the Philistines forty years. Forty years. In Hebrews 12, 7 says, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For a son is whom the father, for what son whom the father chaseth not? And we talked a little about that oh, several weeks ago. But God is more interested in your salvation and spiritual well-being than he is with your ministry or your successes, or your prosperity in this life. 
He does dearly care for you and wants you to succeed and to prosper and to live in abundance, but not at the cost of your soul. The Israelites were more precious to God than their victories. Let that sink in a little bit. The Israelites were more precious to God than their victories were. I'm sure Israel could say, you delivered us under the hand of our enemy. It means you don't love me. No, God said, because I do love you. Because I do love you. I think more of you than you do of yourself, obviously. And it may be there's a time. I think of children when they're growing. Sometimes we are in a rush to make them our friend, and they may not be, be mature enough to be there yet. I think of Dr. Laura Schlesinger. She had a girl call about her mother. And she was complaining about her mother, and finally Laura spoke up and said, Honey, she said, give me a call when you're 30. You need some growing up to do. And sometimes that's the way it is. That's when we're patient. Look at the prodigal son. We talked about it a little bit last week. His dad had to be patient with him. But the Bible said that he never stopped looking across the field for his son's return. He never stopped believing that someday there'll be a grand reunion. I've seen parents fall because their children fall. And then the children have no lighthouse. How many know the son said, I know that in my father's house, even the servants live better than I do. He knew where his father was. Do your children know where you are? Are you standing as a lighthouse? Are you willing to say, I'll always look across that field? I'll always believe God for the return. But it's, it's my duty to stand, having done all to stand. So we look at the fact that God loves me more than he loves my successes. God loves me more than he loves my prosperity. He cares about you. And the thing you need to understand is sometimes we pray for things that God will never give us because he knows it would only hurt us. The Bible said, where much is given, much is required. Somebody one, one time came to him and they said, pray for me. I said, what do you want? He said, I want you to pray for me that I have the gift of prophecy. I said, what do you want the gift of prophecy for? To be seen? To be important? I'm going to tell you, if you have the gift of prophecy, God's going to challenge you with that gift. I think of a man who had the gift of prophecy, and he, they, they were out traveling, and he went to a Baptist church, so he, being Pentecostal, he had to behave himself. You know, no, he didn't raise his hand like he wanted to, and he didn't do anything. He just said, I'm in a Baptist church, I'm going to be like them. And the Lord said, I want you to get up right now and go and prophesy to that family and tell them that I've already got things lined up for them. And he looked, oh, my Lord, no, 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 no. I'm in a Baptist church. I can't do that. You know, he didn't do it either. He disobeyed God. Later on, though, he saw them stop, look at a deer, and he prophesied to them, and they got the message. Thank God God was merciful. 
But why, you know something, the thing we need to understand is, is when you have something, there is something required of you. If you've got a million dollars, God's going to take account for your million dollars. He's going to say, what do you do with it? Well, I got HBO and everything on it. I got, uh, <laughs> I got a nice car and an SUV. I, I got all this stuff. And God's going to say, didn't you know that all the gold and silver belongs to me? Don't you know that I was just loaning it to you? And we were talking to the men's group the other night about the talent. He gave three people a talent. One went and, got, and gained ten cities with it. And, he would, and God was pleased. Uh, or, or ten talents. And he said, I'll give you ten cities uh, to, to rule over. Another gained five talents with his talent. He said, I'll give you five cities to rule over. But then the last one said, I knew that you were a hard man. I knew that you were a taskmaster. And so I went and I hid my talent in the ground that when you come, I could give it back to you. And God called him a slothful and a wicked servant. Why? Because he did not know God. He saw God as a tyrant. He saw God as somebody that was unloving. He had the wrong idea of who God was. He didn't know him. And God definitely didn't reward him. And you know what he did? He took that talent and he gave it to the one with ten talents. And you say, well, you know, he should have given it to the guy with five talents. He could use the next one. The other guy already had ten. No, that's only welfare people. <laughs> that's only the government that does that. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't take from those who have to give to those who have not. He takes from them that, you, you, for that have not and gives to them who have. In other words, you know what God does? He rewards our, pros, uh, our uh, work. He rewards that. Why? Because he loves us. He wants to teach us the principles of heaven. He said, I want you to become sons. Now, how can you become sons if you don't understand the principles of finance? Boy, I, di I didn't even get on that today, but I am. So here I am. You know, poverty is, is not a lack of money. Everyone who's middle class has lacked money. I've, I've had times, I've felt like Peter, silver and gold have I known, but as such I, I have I given to you. But I wasn't poor. Poverty is a state of being. Poverty is a way of thinking. See, a poor man eats his seed. When a, when a, when, when a, a, a prosperous person puts a portion to sow back into the ground so that that will harvest even a greater, a greater harvest. Working on the potato farm, some of you have heard this story. Since I was old enough to do anything, I mean, I was an entrepreneur. I collected bottles. Man, I, I made money. I, I did, my father used to, at the wintertime, I mean, I was Levi's age, my father used to put the old, uh, the old metal shovel on the stove, heat it up, and wax it for me because I was going shoveling. Paper route. Collecting bottles. Uh, as I told you before, my brother and I, we, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. And it was good to get ice cream. We, we collected bottles and bought a half gallon of ice cream and two plastic spoons. And I opened one end of the cart and he opened the other and I said, I'll meet you in the middle. It was a grand time. But the thing of it is, 
is that you don't need to be idle. God doesn't want us to be idle. He wants us, he wants us to understand the economy of heaven because He wants to share that with us. But poverty is a way of thinking. When I was on the potato farm, the one thing we would do is we, every year, at the end of the year, he would take about, uh, he'd take almost a third of his whole crop and he would put it in potato barrels and put it away for the winter. And we would cut the potatoes into four pieces. And then the pieces were sown back into the ground for the next harvest. You see, that's where a poor man would eat that with seed. Why do you think in the city there is a convenience store in every corner? But if you go into the place where the middle class are, you have to drive five miles to a convenience store because they know you're not going to waste your money the way they do in the city. They know that a lot of... Uh, my mom owned a, a convenience store one time. You know, and they'll live on a tab and they'll spend their money before they get it. And then they got to start another tab. Be because of that. And, and now let me get back. But you see... God loves you. He wants to teach you a new economy. He wants you to teach you how to overcome the enemy. He wants to teach you how to be prosperous. But he's more concerned for you than he is what you have or what you do. Don't you love him today? In 2 Timothy 4.3, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own loss shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We can never transform God to fit our lifestyle. But the Word can transform us or our lifestyle to fit God. See, that's what's going on in this, this political thing. They're trying to rewrite God and who He is. Well, I want you to know that God is righteous. Never allow your sin to transform who God is. I've known people say, well, you know, the way I see God, This is God. In the beginning was when the was the Word, and we and He dwelt on earth. Jesus is the Word. You can't know God and not know His Word. But the thing that gets a lot of people into uh, in, into questionable theology is. They don't really know God. You've got to know Him. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed to Him against that day. What is Paul saying? He said, though I've been beaten. Paul and Silas were thrown into a prison after they'd received 39 stripes from the Romans. They were in the prison to die. That was a death sentence. And the prisons were so unclean. But what did Paul and Silas do? See, that's a lesson for us. That's why it's in the Bible, so we can read it and get a lesson from it. I'm going to sing. I'm going to shout. I'm going to sing. I'm going to shout. Praise the Lord. 
When those gates be open wide, I'll be there by Jesus' side. I'm going to sing. I'm going to shout, praise the Lord. Well, what happened was, is, is Paul and Silas were singing. Here they were wounded almost to death. Probably going to get gangrene or something from that filthy jail. And rather than to complain and say, you know, this, that, they said, we're just going to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And the Bible said God was so blessed with them that he caused the earth to shake and the doors of the jails to open up. Amen. Like I told you, every problem is is an opportunity. We've really got to keep that in mind. We've got to know God. We've got to know that, yes, I'm going through a hard time. No, I don't understand it. God, I may never understand it on this earth. I may never understand when I see my son carrying his infant child out of hospice to the hearse. I don't understand. But I know that I've got two grandkids in heaven. I don't understand. I can't understand. I could run around to a thousand people and they could all give me different answers. Nobody knows, but Jesus knows. Remember the black slave that said, Coming home, sweet chariot. Chariot's coming to carry me home. She said, Nobody knows. The troubles I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. We all have stories. We all have things. But don't let your story become your God. Let God become your God. Some people may have been molested as children. Other people may have uh, lived in a broken family. and uh, Others may have been brought up in in great poverty you know what we all have stories but don't let your story become your God let God arise and your enemies be scattered see that's what Jonathan did 40 years the Israelites being in captivity and Jonathan finally stands up he starts to get his strength how many of us need to get our strength back Lord, I'm tired of this battle. God says, well, that's good. That's good. Are you ready to go to the other side? See, God doesn't compromise. You know, the message is always going to be the same. Some of you may be struggling with children. And everything you say... They use it in their court of law. But I want you to know, trust Jesus. Lord, I trust you. Almost 30 years ago, my wife and I took a ministry. And I thought it was going to just about kill us. It was it, The church really didn't seem to respond well. And woke up one morning, my wife was in great depression because of the atmosphere and all that we were going through. And I saw her crying. She said, I trust in you, Lord. I trust in you. You know, that taught me something there. I trust you, Lord. Don't understand it. Why we're going through that. 
and I've told you before, if you say why fast enough and repeated enough, it starts to sound like wham. And, and we're all good at that. You know, we, we go through a hard time and, you know, and, and, and we think, well, you know, I'm going through a hard time. I'm the only one that seems to like to be there when you're going through a hard time is the devil. Because you know you're going through a hard time. See, what God's doing is he's trying to grow you up a little bit. He's trying to grow you up a little bit. And, you know, you, you think you should see an angel right now. Man, I'm hurting so bad I've got to see an angel. And all of a sudden you hear this violin music. You poor dear. You know that people just don't love you the way you deserve to be loved. Your husband doesn't understand you. And you know you went to church Sunday? And I don't think the pastor even gave you a look. <laughs> See, the devil, does it, is it because he cares for you? No. He wants to cause hatred in your heart. You know, that's where prejudice comes from. Prejudice comes from anger and, and from fear. People could be prejudiced with people on welfare. I don't know why they don't go get a job. I, you know, what I'm saying is this. You know, what they need is Jesus. They don't need a lecture from you. <laughs> they need Jesus. And the best way to find the, for them to see Jesus is to model it. Let me live in your economy. Let me overcome. Let me be there. Let me go the other side. Because your ministry awaits you. Thank you, Lord. Talking about sound doctrine. In 2 Timothy 4 and 3, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But this is what he says, is what is said in Titus 2 and 1. Is it, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Don't conform the doctrine to your weaknesses. Don't say, well, I don't think God sees it quite that way. No, what we have to say is, Lord Jesus, forgive me, a sinner, and help me to conform to your ways. Samson was a judge in Israel. From the day he was born, God told his parents that he was to take a Nazarite vow. And a Nazarite vow, he was never to cut his hair. He was to keep himself from certain foods, and there's quite a strict order there. God said, "If he does that, he said he'll be he'll be a great a great champion for me." And he did all that. In fact, they said that he carried the gates of a city all the way up on a mountain and set him to show how powerful he was. Now, some people in their 
in their uh, artist rendition will show Samson with these huge muscles. I believe he was just a little five foot four inch tall with just barely skin and bones. That's what I think he was. Because God doesn't get any glory in the flesh anyway. But he was able to kill a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. I mean, that's pretty humiliating to them. How do you kill them all? Yeah, with a donkey jaw. But Samson was able to do that because he obeyed God. But guess what? There was something in Samson's life. Huh? Isn't that the way it is? Boy, couldn't we just get away from that? You know, and, and we have these things and we really say, and God said, I want to get them out of you. Playing with Delilah. What happened? She, being a Philistine, tricked him. I think he thought she loved him. But she didn't know how to love. And every time she would try to trick him, but he would lie and not tell her where his strength was. And, and he would get up and they would come and try to grab him and he would just turn and fling them all away. But finally, she got him drunk, you know, got him comfortable. And he told her his hair was his covenant with God and that if it was cut, that he'd lose that. You know, their sin will cause you to lose your strength and your power. I believe that so many Christians deny the power thereof because they themselves have lost the power, and rather than admit that they lost it, they'd rather say that it isn't there. Huh. No, I don't believe that's there. Well, it is there. In 1 Samuel 7 and 13, it says, So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. You see, it took a, it took a, a righteous prophet to stand up and believe. In Genesis, we know that Satan had, begun, had uh, began the oppressive tyranny against God's people. And he still does to this day. And what he would say to you is, did God say this? Are you sure that's the right way? Uh, maybe you should second guess this. I'm going to tell you this. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. I don't understand this, Lord. I was reading today about Paul and how that he wanted to go to this, this one great city. And he said, with all of his might, I was reading on Matthew Henry's about it, and Matthew Henry's was saying that Paul, when he said that he was saying, with all of my might, all of my desire, and everything within me, I want to come to Bethania. Bethania. I want to go there. And why? Because it was the, it was the place to be. I mean, it's where uh, the hub of education and all that. And Paul was a very educated man, and I could see what that would appeal to him. He wanted to go there, but guess what? God told him, you're going another way. Kind of like the wonderful life. Remember how we always want to go traveling? and He ended up getting stuck with the bank. 
And all the ones that should have got the bank ended up running off. You know, sometimes is that the way life feels to you? You feel like, wow, I don't know how, how this happened. I wouldn't have chose this journey. But you know what? God knows right where you are. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, it says, And, and uh, no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He's a deceiver, people. He's out to deceive you from truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God that, uh, you know, uh, a workman, you need not be ashamed. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. The Bible said, he that judges himself will not be judged. What is he saying? He that will take the Scripture and apply it to his own life and his priestly duties... And if you've got to ask Jesus a thousand times to forgive you, then do it. But let it, be, let it be a transgression and never let it be anything more than that. Don't make it your pet. You know what I'm saying? Don't make it who you are. I've had people say, well, that's the way I am. Well, get out of being you, you then. Amen. Some One guy says, well, you know, I don't know, but I'm not the type of man. I wasn't born just to have one woman. Probably all know a few of those. It's called sin. <laughs> it's called sin. And the thing that we need to understand and realize is that God loves you enough to purge that sin like he did in David's life. David had committed a horrible crime in, in killing a man to hide the trans, his, his indiscretion with the, the man's wife. And you would think, you know, maybe if you were God, you would have said, he's done, send him to hell. Let's find a new one to work on. But God didn't give up on him. And you know, that is in the Bible to give you hope. <laughs> that is in the Bible to show you. If I would go that deep with David, how much more will I love you? You can go and read it for yourself, but I'm not going to read it this morning. That's in 1 Samuel 14, 14, 6 through 13, about David, about Jonathan going up against the garrison. He believed in the Lord. See, Jonathan's father was a very religious man. But religion doesn't get you to heaven. It's the heart that gets you there. There was no more, nobody more religious than Saul was. He was a very religious man, but he didn't know God. He had a form of God. He had, a, he, he had his own understanding of God. In fact, you know, Saul went and killed a whole bunch of priests that were God's priests because he got mad at them. 
He chased David like a partridge. He even ordered the killing of his own son, Jonathan. But the people rose up against him so angry that he withdrew his order. But Jonathan, on the other hand, he had a heart for Jesus. He had a heart for Jesus. And he was willing to go up against this garrison. The armor bearer in the story is a type of the Holy Spirit. And this is what the armor bearer said. He said, what is it, whatever's in your heart, whatever's in your heart. Jesus, speaking to the blind man, said this very powerfully. He said, then touched he their eyes and saying, according to your faith, so be it unto you. Where does faith come from? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But then this is what it says, and I know I've got to, I've got to cut a little short here. But faith worketh by love. You can't love. You can't, you can't not love and work in faith. And what God is saying here, he said, according to your faith, so be it unto you. So I guess what I'm saying, I've got several more pages. I'm going to have to end here. Maybe you're struggling out there. Maybe you're going through something or here. And you haven't told anybody about it like David didn't. You know, David didn't even tell Bathsheba that he had his wife, that, that he had her husband killed. Even the, even the soldier that he ordered to go to send him into the, heatest, the hottest of battles had no idea. You know, Joab just thought, Phew, this guy's been, he must have offended the king somehow. Don't know. Nobody knew. Sometimes we have things in our lives nobody knows. And God said, I want that in your life. I want to take that from you. I want to help you with that. I want you to confess that to me. Number one, what God is saying, I see everything. I remember one day I, I was saying that. I said, well, Lord, you know everything. And then I thought afterward, it had been better, better if you didn't know it all. But he does. He does. Paul said there is no sin that isn't common to man. The devil says you're a freak. God says you're human. David said, I was shaped in iniquity from my mother's womb. How many of you have had to teach your children how to lie? How many of you have had to teach your children the word no? Now, little boy, I want you to know. Say it again with me. No. Boy, they catch on to that one quickly and naturally. Just seems to come right to him. <laughs> the young man there is shaking his head, no. <laughs> yes, he knows that language. 
But the thing we need to realize is David said, he said, I struggle. He said, Lord God, you hold me to a standard that I can't live. Ever feel that way, though? God, it's like you're setting me up for failure here. I mean, I'm reading your word. I love every bit of your word. I know you're risen from the dead. I know that you're real. God, help me. I am weak, but he is strong. <laughs> Amen. Help me, Jesus, to overcome all wrong. <laughs> Amen. But the thing of it is, is God knows you're weak. But God also knows that his strength. Paul said, in my weakness, I found his strength. And that's what confession's all about this morning, is bringing it to Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. I'm going to go here, and then uh, we'll take communion together. And for you out there, um, if you'd like me to take communion with you at some point, just uh, get in touch with me on Facebook, and we could arrange something for you as well. Uh, let's go to the Word in prayer. Father, we love you for the Word. We love you for the message. We love you, Lord God, that we can be honest. We just we just so it are of your power, your goodness. We thank you, Lord God, that you don't leave us nor forsake us, but, Lord, you're with us. And I know the day that we're living in right now is seems like such a dark day. But you're on the throne today, so that means the sun is shining in heaven. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's your instruction. And we ask, Lord God, that we give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Sister Christine, will you close the bell in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, just guide us the right ways of being so that to glorify you in your, yes, in your holiness. Let us be holy as you are holy, Lord. So we ask you to be guided by the Spirit, Lord, right now. And just do all of your will and not our own, Lord. Mold us and shape us, Lord, that people will see the light in us and they'll want to have you, Lord God. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit um, move upon the people that you minister to and open their eyes and their ears, because it's you that opens their eyes and ears to hear the word of God. So, Lord, let us go forth, Lord, and walk in, in love and holiness and purity, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.